Now, you're going to have to use your imagination to begin with, because, ooh, we're nearly there. I was going to say, as I look behind at the excellent graphic for this sermon series, ooh, it is there. Great. Number one, that's not a proper Monopoly layout. Because if it was, I should be tucked either somewhere between Pall Mall and Whitehall or Coventry Street and Piccadilly. Because that's where you find the utility companies. <laughs> and number two is to do, to do, to do, to do, to do, to be which reminded me of the Greek philosopher Socrates, who said, to be is to do. And then a little later, French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre said, to do is to be. And then Frank Sinatra just said, dooby-dooby-doo. <laughs> so we're partway through this um, sermon series called The Long Game, and the subtitle is Discover the Tools for Lifelong Discipleship, Lifelong Faithful Discipleship. Now, I'd like to suggest this morning, as I pointed out where I feel I should be on the Monopoly board, that my talk is less about the tools and more about the power source. We've looked at, and we're going to look at, the various practices that contribute to us continuing to be long-term followers of Jesus. And I'm wanting to explore this morning how the Holy Spirit transforms these practices and fills us to live empowered lives. Now, I'd like to do a little straw poll this morning. How many of you at the end of December or the beginning of January made a New Year's resolution? Don't all... <laughs> How many of you, now it's September, are still following said resolutions? Now, if my own experience is anything to go by, I would say that it's probably only a few, if any of us. We start off with great enthusiasm, and then life happens. And that idea we had about sorting something out gets um, neglected, and then it falls off our radar completely. And we want to change. It's obvious by going into any bookshop and looking at the shelf full of books that come under the self-help banner. There are some great titles like Stop Overthinking, 23 Techniques, to relieve stress, stop negative spirals, declutter your mind, and focus on the present. Well, the title's enough to stress me out. <laughs> or how about Change It? Eight steps to create positive transformation in your health, relationships, and income. Yes, it's that easy. Buy my book, and at least my income has been transformed in a powerful way. <laughs> We look at ourselves and we see some attitude or some behavior that we're unhappy with and we want to change it. 
and we try, and sometimes it's successful. But sometimes, like our New Year's resolutions, we start off with good intentions, but we run out of energy and they fall by the wayside. And we can have the same problem with our ongoing following of the way of Jesus. We start off all excited, and then as life goes on, we become less and less and less so. My own experience is that my faith became alive about 45 years ago. And in my mid-teens, anyone over 30 was old. And anyone past that point was ancient. Now, thankfully, my view has matured since then. (laughs) At that point in my life, I could see that there was so much that needed to get done in God's kingdom. And it couldn't wait. And then life happened. And I became ill. I became confined to bed. Making great strides for God's kingdom. I couldn't even make baby steps to get out of bed sometimes. And frankly, at that point, I could have jacked it all in. As someone remarked to me, if this is how God treats his friends, I'd hate to get on the wrong side of him. And yet, unable to read my Bible, unable to pray, unable to get to church, my faith underwent a transformation. And it was the Holy Spirit taking one verse from the scriptures and applying it to my life. I had talked a good talk about God's grace, the fact that you don't need to do anything to be loved and accepted by God. But the the reality of it was I thought I needed to be doing things for God. And by having that all torn away from me, how could he love me? And it was at this point the Holy Spirit took that verse, made it personal to me, and showed me that God loves me because he loves me because he loves me. However, like me, he's not satisfied with where I am at the moment and wants to work alongside me in his transformable, in his work of transformation. He knows that deep down, I'd rather like to do it myself. But he knows that if I did do that, I would probably give up very quickly. So he comes alongside to give me the strength to continue, the power to follow the way of Jesus. And he does that by filling me with his Holy Spirit. So let's have a quick look at the passage that uh, Richard finally read for us this morning. Well done. (laughs) You weren't here earlier. (laughs) Because there are two things that I really just want to tease out of it. The first is that Paul uses the example of Moses and his fading glory to contrast with the people in the church in Corinth and the fact that they are being transformed from glory to glory. And to understand that a bit more, we have to go back to the book of Exodus. 
Moses has returned from meeting with God on Mount Sinai and he's received the Ten Commandments. He's unaware that there's anything different about him. But Aaron and the rest of the Israelites can see that his face is radiant. They know it's because he's met with God and that rather scares them. And so the only thing that Moses could do at this point is to cover his face so they can't see it. But Paul points out that this is not a perpetual thing. One day, Moses wakes up, looks in the mirror, and it's blindingly obvious to him that the radiance has left him. So Paul's saying the transformation that Moses had experienced was only transitory. But the transformation that the Corinthians are experiencing is a cumulative thing. Why is that? Well, because for Moses, his transformation occurred when he was in the presence of God. But that wasn't a 24-7 experience. For the Corinthians, and for us, thanks to the Holy Spirit, that's not the case. They and we are given access to the Father whenever and wherever. And that being in the presence of God brings a transformation into our lives. We more and more want to do the things that please God. Not because we should, but because we want to. And as we do this, God reinforces those attitudes that we want to live by, by his Holy Spirit. The second thing out of this passage is that Paul uses a word when he talks about transformation that only gets used in another two places in the New Testament. One is in the gospel account of the um, transfiguration of Jesus. And the other is in Paul's letter to the Romans where he talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this Greek word will be familiar to any of you who did biology at school. It's the one that we translate as uh, metamorphosis. It's the one that you learned when you were studying the life cycle of the cabbage white. And it came along with the joke about the caterpillar who saw the butterfly soaring past and said, you're never going to get me up in one of those. (laughs) And it's a good analogy for us. Our Christian walk is not automatic transformation, much as some of us would like that to happen. If, if not for ourselves, at least for somebody that we know. It's not that one day you're a caterpillar and the next day you wake up as a butterfly. It's a longer and it's a more cumulative process. The change that happens to you today is the building brick that allows the change tomorrow to happen. God is wanting your life to be transformed. He's wanting you to be the best you you can ever be. But he's not expecting you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. He's wanting to work alongside you so that this transformation can take place. And he does that by giving you his Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if in the last few weeks and uh, during the uh, lying in state of our late queen, 
you became fascinated by that snaking line of people wanting to pay their last respects. It even got its own name, The Queue. And there was a helpful website you could go to showing you its length. You could access that at any time, day or night. And I noticed at one point you could be queuing for up to 19 hours. 19 hours along the South Bank for you to file past for a few moments past the coffin. A few minutes to be in the presence. If we needed to queue up to meet with God for transformation to take place, if we could only do it one at a time like Moses, I think it would be longer than a 19-hour wait. And some of us, as soon as we'd finished, would be running around to the back of the queue for our second round. That's why we're given the Holy Spirit. That's why we're given the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. It's so that we can experience the presence of God in a minute-by-minute, second-by-second way. And that experience empowers us to live a life that more and more reflects the life of Jesus. And that's how the Holy Spirit empowers us. It's not like being plugged into a battery charger. It's not like putting the Duracell batteries in to give you that extra bit of boost. It's giving you access 24-7 to God whose desire is to see you transformed. Unlike the caterpillar, we do have choices we can make. The caterpillar can't decide Ooh, I'll stay the way I am, thank you very much. It's forced by biology to change. But we are given options. Do we want to open ourselves up to God to be, begin his transfer, transformative life, transformative work in our lives? Or are we stubbornly going to stay where we are? I hope today that you're going to say yes to God and yes to his spirit empowering your life so that daily you become more and more like Jesus and that you continue playing the long day. Thank you.